Karen Linford, uh, it's always nice catching up with you. I don't know who may want to answer this question, but do you recall the very first gig you had in town here? (laughs) I recall it very well. It's been a while. It was a Monday night in early September of 1990. So we are bumping right up against 30 years Mm. since our very first show with paid admission. That was a Sudsy show? That was at Sudsy Malone's, yeah. Do you recall anything about the, was it crowded? Were there a a few scattered around or what? (laughs) I think we took in $18 (laughs) at the door. And it was uh, not crowded, Brian. (laughs) Beer money. (laughs) Well, things have kind of changed these days. What have you been busy with? I know that uh, you had to have had a bunch of shows called off, canceled. What have you been up to? Well, yeah, this has been, we noted that this is the first time since 1995 that we've had as significant break from touring and performing as this one. So... While it's nice to be away, you know, and get a break, it it is a bit strange trying to find our footing. We know how to tour. We know the routine of that. But finding new ways to live in one place, not in motion, was a little tricky. So uh, we've got a barn project that we're working on. Linford, you want to talk about that? Well, I'll just back up and continue with what you were saying, Brian. I couldn't quite remember how to be at home. When we really shut down, I realized. I'm not sure what to do. I don't have to go anywhere. (laughs) (laughs) And I kind of had to relearn a little bit what it meant just to Mm -hmm. be at home. It was pretty exotic. You know, it was traumatic to cancel the festival on the one hand. On the other hand, all of the confirmed artists reconfirmed for 2021, hoping that by then we'd be able to do a relatively small outdoor festival safely. And then we canceled all our our other 2020 dates eventually, including a tour in Europe and a tour up in the Pacific Northwest. We were going to do a concert in Seattle in a beautiful cathedral with a string quartet, and all of that stuff was postponed. And here we were at home, and we decided it had been a few years. We decided we should plant a garden. We might need some food, so we put in what we called a victory garden, and that's been really fun to remember what ripe homegrown tomatoes taste like. I had always thought you have a garden because you need uh, vine-ripened tomatoes, but this year I realized that the real gift is having fresh greens and herbs. I just forgot what that even was to pick greens out of your own garden. And we just kind of shut down, and it turned into kind of a sabbatical, lots of long walks. And I just started sitting with an acoustic guitar again with no agenda, just for fun. And it was a much-needed pause in our life. I mean, that, that is a silver lining. We sort of hold the good part of it in tension with the fact that this is such a difficult season for so many people. And someday you'll have to get used to the fact of going out on the road again, and how do we do this? I forget how to do this. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, the good news is, I think even when we were touring, sometimes Karen and I would look at each other when we were packing our suitcases. And I mean, almost every time you go out, there's that little bit of, do we even know what we're doing? <laughs> you know, so you do that first show and you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, we know how to do this. And no. you're kind of back mm-hmm. in. You know? That's Linford Detweiler. Well, I- we have Karen Berquist on the line as well over the Rhine. Go ahead, Karen. I think the one thing that's kind of significant for me, and anybody that's traveled with me knows uh, this is kind of a big deal. I actually unpacked my suitcases for the first time 
in years, <laughs> completely unpack them and put them away. So that was quite an undertaking. <laughs> now, Karen mentioned no. Lauren a while back. You want to tell us what's going on with that? Well, Brian, after a few months of being here at home and not being able to tour, we kept looking at this barn on our property that we have been restoring over the last three or four years. And um, anybody that's done commercial building knows that it's not hard to run out of money, you know, with these projects. And we had hit the pause button on that a while back. But some pieces were kind of coming together and we kept looking at the barn and thinking, wow, what if we could get this thing finished while we're unable to tour? And so we've been really working to try to get things moving forward with construction again to see if we can get this finished. Our booking agent, Frank Riley, is sort of a well-known agent in the U.S., and he and another group of booking agents have been saying that they're thinking that probably about half of the venues that have been on our circuit for years will likely end up closing without some sort of intervention. And I guess we realized, wow, maybe we could actually be in a position where we could open a venue and help some other artists out and, you know, have a place to do some small shows ourselves. So we're deep into barn building, Brian. Mm. You'd think we were uh, Amish kids out here in the middle of nowhere or something. It's it's been all about the barn. You, my friend, are giving yourself away right there. That's so unbelievably sad, unbelievably sad about all those venues that may close down. Who would have thunk? I know. And I know some of them have already begun closing. We've been receiving uh, word. And, uh, yeah, it's tough. We were talking about being at home and having a break, which is, is nice from the road. But what's really tough is how this is affecting everybody in our industry. And what people don't realize when they come to see a show is how many people it takes to make that show. All the people behind the scenes, all of the crews, the stage managers, you know, monitor engineers, et cetera, and the booking agency, you know, they're not making any money right now, nothing. And they've had to furlough their own staff. So it's really, really tough. And I know we're all looking forward to the day when we can celebrate, you know, on stage again with the live audience and all of us in good health and make some music. But in the meantime, you know, my heart really hurts for the men and women that are not working. It's heartbreaking. It certainly is. Before we wrap it up, uh, any recording plans in the not-too-distant future? Yeah, we do. We are working on an album where we're going to try to do our take on some of the old hymns that Mm -hmm. we grew up with as kids and um, just sort of see where that lands. I know Johnny Cash and Elvis you know, both talk about their mother's hymn books Mm -hmm. and sort of growing up with that music and how formative it was for them. And I think sometimes those old gospel songs, nobody's quite sure how they fit into the history and the fabric of American music, but um, they are, for those of us that grew up around that kind of music, they're pretty deep in our musical DNA. So we're going to do a little excavating and see what's there all these years later, and maybe people can sense how that music influenced our own songwriting. And um, just circling back to live music for a second, Brian, we got to do one song with the Cincinnati Pops Orchestra for their July 4th concert. Mm -hmm. There was no audience. It was filmed. 
they used a smaller version of the orchestra, string players only, took all these precautions to keep everybody safe, and they succeeded. But we played a full concert. We got to do one old Stephen Foster song with them. But it had been since February, since I had seen human beings making music live on a stage. And when those 30 musicians started playing, my heart just about leaped out of my chest. It was incredible. And to be missing that is significant. When you hear it again, you'll realize what we've been missing. Yeah, I have a lump in my throat just thinking about it. There's nothing in the world like live music. Nothing. And uh, I can't wait till we can do it again. Amen, sister. Amen. (laughs) Hey, I want to thank both of you for being such good, good friends with our radio stations and in specific with Lee's program here around Cincinnati over the year, over the decades, actually. You guys have been hanging with us. My goodness, Brian, that is a two-way street. And I was so relieved to hear that Lee's Svelte alto voice was going to still be with us, just not in this show for a while. So uh, that voice is part of the fabric of Cincinnati Radio, right along with yours. So absolutely, and thanks to Lee for just for her dedication to this community and what she's given through that program. We are in her debt. And I've been honored to uh, do it a time or two to uh, do these kind of uh, chats with uh, people I love a time or, a time or two over the years with uh, around Cincinnati. So I thank Lee as well. Karen, Linford, over the Rhine, thank you guys so much. And until we meet again, well, a matter of fact, I'm going to hop in the car, I think, and drive out to your place and steal some tomatoes a little bit later on. So. Sounds like a plan. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, we've got, we've got plenty. Some to share. <laughs> I got some Cherokee yeah, purples. I got, oh, we got some good <laughs> stuff out here. So. All right. Continued good health to you. Thank you. You and too, you, Brian. And Take you, care. friend. You too. Thank you so much. And for Around Cincinnati, and thanks to Lee Hay, I'm Brian O'Donnell. It was summertime in 83. We were burning out at the rubber tree. What in the world will make all this worthwhile? And if I knew then, oh, I was older then, would I see regret to the last mile? Hello, Ohio, the back road. I know Ohio, I like the back of my hand Alone, Ohio, ooh, where the river bends And it's strange to see your story end How I hate to see your story end It's so sad to see your story end.